Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs, or you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. So with that being said, I have with us from Goshen, Indiana, Diana Castillo of Saka Los Tacos. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. I didn't. I nailed it on the first try. I'm. All, I love it when that happened. So, um, ha, so tell us your story, Diana. How'd you end up with a food truck in Indiana? And sort of, what's your history? Did you grow up in food? Did you grow up with an entrepreneurial background? Give us a little bit of nuggets about yourself. Okay. Um. So taking it back to when we initially started, um, this idea was created back in 2020. Um, It was during the COVID, right in the middle of the COVID pandemic. So I've always liked cooking. I had a thing for cooking um, as far as I can remember. And so I'm I'm originally from Honduras. So Honduran cuisine and Mexican cuisine are not, they're they're around the same concept, but definitely there are things in between that differentiate both of them. So the way I got into where we are at now was because I kept on seeing on social media and hearing about the um, the quesavirrias, which is what we're mainly known for. It's our strongest menu on the item. And a quesavirria is pretty much a fried taco. So it's a six-inch corn tortilla that's dipped into um, a red oil which gives um, a, a good pigmentation of color to the tortilla, turning it uh, red. And then it has a layer of cheese. It has a layer of birria. Um, birria is known for it to be made out of lamb, but lamb can be very overpowering to a lot of people. So we did it with beef, some onion and cilantro. And the good thing about these tacos is once the cheese is melted and the tortilla is crunchy, you go ahead and dip it into the broth of the meat where it was cooked in for about four to five hours. Um, so these were all over social media. No one around the area had really done them or took the initiative to do them. The, these are very popular in the West Coast, so mainly Cali. Um, and one week, th- weekday, I decided to do do it for a couple of friends and family. I went ahead and gave it a try. Everyone was hooked. My sister kept on pushing me um to to sell them and we started from home so we started selling from home and it was more of a supply and demand type of thing so it wasn't uh like oh i'm going to go into the food industry it was more of a hey are you doing them this weekend again we really want some so why not take on the opportunity if it was being given to us and yeah thankfully um we've been blessed ever since each weekend was a success we would sell out and we decided that we wanted to go ahead and get into um food trucks just because since we were still in the beginning of covid um restaurants weren't really hitting at that point most of the restaurants were closed so why not have something mobile to where we can go to places and attract customers back to the location where we typically do park at Um, I thought it would be a really good way of expanding our clientele and for us to get better exposure, whether it be a charity, um, private party, uh, basketball game, whatever you call it, 
wherever you want us to be, as long as we have enough space for a 20-foot trailer, we can be there. Cool. So talk to me a little bit about your, you mentioned you were originally from Honduras, so you, you yes. came in the United States. How did you end up in Indiana? Um, that would, our, my parents, so pretty much my parents, um, they, my dad, to be in specifically, my dad's side of the family, he had some family that was already here. Um, so he came and then everyone else followed. Very cool. I love this. The American dream. And when you first started off, did you just start off with like pop-ups or once you saw that there was traction for this business, did you, you're like, okay, let's do a food trailer. And why'd you choose a trailer and not a truck? So we started from home. So I, on, I literally went on Facebook, my, my personal Facebook I posted that I was selling and I went to Sam's, bought a $200 uh, 36 uh, flat top grill and from my living room. And then from there, we upgraded to a garage and we kind of did like our little working uh, assembly system right there. And then we decided on a food trailer just because since we were starting up, most of our money was out of pocket to make up for this trailer and our savings. So, uh, there's a huge price difference. Um, anyone wanting to go into the food truck industry, there's a huge fi- uh, price difference between a food trailer and the food truck. And you also have to look at um, if your food truck breaks down, you would still need something to pull it. For example, if you have an event at five and then at three it broke down. But the good thing with the food trailer is the trailer will never really break down since you don't need to give it any like engine um, type of service or anything like that as long as it's not a wheel or anything so if the truck breaks down well if one's not working we can go ahead and try to find a replacement at that point in time instead of wasting a whole event and wasting hours trying to wait for the truck to be in service get looked at and then be sent back to us so that's one of the main reasons that pushed us to get a trailer instead of a food truck this is very cool. So <clears throat> you've obviously you built the business. Now you have a trailer. So how has it been? You like, what did you learn building the trailer? What type of food? Let's talk about all the, let's talk about your menu. Actually, how do you design your menu? How do you, do you do events? Do you do catering? If so, how does the menu change? Okay. So pretty much we started our first menu And the only thing we sold in the beginning were the quesavirrias. And we were thinking about things that could be done with the ingredients that we had without adding so much to it and going so much, um, so much further outside of the box. So if you, if anyone takes a look at our menu, um, we have tacos, which really doesn't differentiate from a quesavirria, just a double tortilla, the meat, no cheese, just onion and cilantro. We have some things that are called mulitas, which is pretty much a double-stacked version of a quesavirria, but it's shaped different and it looks different, so that's enough for the people, for them to want to try it. We also have um, birria noodles, which is a 32-ounce uh, cup of tap- tapatio ramen noodles, and we cook it. Instead of cooking it with water, we cook it with the broth, throw some birria in there, some cheese, onion, and cilantro. 
you have that uh, menu item. And then our third top selling item would be our loaded fries. And those is just the layer of seasoned fries, uh, your type of meat. We have steak, al pastor, and birria. And those are the three that we decided to specialize on. The reason why we only have three compared to if you go to another uh, taco truck and they have maybe five and up of meat options was because we decided that if we were to focus on just three and really pay attention to the seasoning, pay attention to the flavor, that then we would just hit off strong with those three and we wouldn't need any more. Because from my point of view, when you focus on too, sometimes focusing on too much doesn't let you focus on anything at all. And then you're just, we wanted to be different. We wanted the flavoring to be different. We wanted the presentation to be different. Something that would put us aside. If you have, if you, it was us in between of 10 taco trucks, the logic behind it is we want you to come to us, you know, as any entrepreneur, you want the most clients. But at the same time, what 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 needs to make what do you need to do to make you that different in order for people to choose you every single time instead of just going with anyone else? Well, flavor has to be a big thing when it comes to food. You everyone wants good food. A lot of people might go to a place and, you know, the presentation might be there, but then they taste the food and then there's no type of flavor in it. You get disappointed. But we want you to come and enjoy the full experience as far as to what it is when the food gets to you, the freshness, how it looks like, how it's wrapped, and most definitely how it tastes. So we decided on stick on those three. Those three have been top selling as far as meat choices are not really a preference in between. Birria is still the highest since that's what we were known for the beginning and as we started um, We started working from the food truck. Our menu did expand a little bit, but nothing more than that. Um, we get really great feedback. We get really great reviews from those three. So we decided to stick with, with what worked for us without overwhelming ourselves. And again, the downside of having a food trailer or a food truck is that you're only working with so much amount of space. So you have to be wise with what you have instead of, again, having a lot, and then you come into the problem that you don't have space for at all. So how do you find events? How do you find catering? Do you do okay. weddings? Like, how uh, far do you guys travel with this trailer, and what's the most fun event you've ever done? Okay, so how do we do events? We're really good. Um, so I, we... Part of our health department system, they go ahead and give our information to a lot of event coordinators in the area. So typically they'll reach out to us via email. Um, we do a lot of private events and those are based through our clientele through social media. We post every, we run everything through social media and that's how we were known um, through our social media, through Facebook mo mostly um, than Instagram. So you just go on there, you can either text us, you can email us. A lot of people will tag us in events and then we go ahead and register. And um, we also do charities, uh, fundraisers for school. We do a lot of weddings uh, during wedding seasons and that goes about the same. Um, the biggest one we've done so far has been 
I want to say 150. We have a bigger one yet coming, but that's not till September, I believe. And that one is for 300 people. And yeah, typically for weddings, we do a customized menu. That way, what we want to work on is being time efficient. So we don't want a bunch of um, guests just waiting there. So we get our best for selling items and uh, we build a customized menu for for that specific event just to give the customers a warm feeling that we're there for them and it's not just we're open to the public and it's a food machine just pumping out food um so we build you a customized menu um if you want us to put anything on the menu like congratulations to mr and mrs we go ahead and customize that for you so you can feel that it's part of your day and as well, we do a lot of company catering. And with the comp- company catering, we do the same concept. We stick to a short menu with four items. That way we get workers in and out since we have to be very conscious that they only have a certain amount of time for their break time before they go back and start production. And we don't want them to be wasting time on waiting to order and also waiting for the food. So we, we really do take consideration on just to be conscious of our guests and what's going around us um, as we want them to feel important as well. Okay, let's go back. You had mentioned like three kinds of meat that you guys uh, focus on. Could you say them again and explain the difference between each one and how they're cooked and what makes them different? Because I think you caught on to something, but I think it's what makes you guys um, different. So I want to just talk about that a little bit. We have three meat options. The first one is birria, and that's the one that we mainly specialize on or what they know us for. And that one, how did I come across the recipe for that one? So um, I kind of got guidance from my mother-in-law, and I did the traditional um, recipe that's for the birria. And then as I was tasting the, the birria, I don't know. I have that thing that my taste buds just, okay, I needed a little bit of this. And then I went and I had added a little bit of that. And I finally stuck with something that stuck with me. Um, and I mean, it tastes great. And as well as the steak and the al pastor. Um, typically, when you taste uh, asada, which is the steak, um, in my point of view, again, it just tastes like it has salt and pepper. Um, we decided to find a formula um, and the, the right seasonings in order for it to taste like a carne asada. Like if you were about to grill it on your griller outside and it has that citrusy ta- uh, taste behind it as well with a right balance of salt and all the, the other seasonings. And with the al pastor as well, um, I feel like it has the same concept behind it, just a little bit of salt, just a little bit of pepper. And again, that's what makes it them all taste the same. And we wanted it to taste a little bit different. So we came up with the with the formula that made it taste a little bit smoky, but at the little bit at the same time, a little bit of uh, citric behind it and spicy at the same time. And it also comes with grilled onion and grilled pineapples so it balance it gives you the right balance between the spicy and the sweet what's your favorite thing to do on the truck trailer excuse me 
My favorite thing to do is definitely be stuck prepping in the main kitchen. And what do you um, do in there specifically? Everything. So everything that a customer comes um, and, for example, if the customer orders a taco, well, I touch the sauce for the tortilla. I um, touch the sauce for the tortilla. I um, also did the salsa. I also did the rice. I also did the beets. I'm very much hands-on. So anything that you come across when you come visit us, it probably has been reviewed or touched by me. Now, did you, is all the recipes and stuff you do, like, did you grow, like, I, I know we talked about it a little bit, but do, were you in restaurants before? Like, do you have experience in catering or anything like that? Or this is just something you're like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to create this, and I'm going to run with it? So in my in my teenage year, so right now I'm 22. Um, I actually started working when I was 14. My first job was at IHOP. So I've been in the food industry for a while as working as a server or a host. Um, but that's about it. As far as cooking, seasoning-wise, and all of this stuff, it was just something more in me that has always caught my attention. And the fact that um, my parents were Honduran. Mexican cuisine has a lot of flavor. It's very rich in flavor. Um, even when you cook the simplest thing, it's not. Um, they use a lot of dry peppers. They use a lot of spices. They use a lot of um, leaves. And when you put all of that together, they, um, they, you really get a lot of flavor. Compared to Honduran cuisine, we really don't use that much flavor. So one of the things that really drove me and caught my attention of the Mexican cuisine was just, you know, just really taking the time of putting things together to create a new a new flavor for your food. So I think not having enough of that in my culture made me look into a place or a culture that had a that was rich in um, flavor and seasoning for food. Do you drive the truck and trailer? Um, I do not. So it takes a team to run this for sure. Um, I have in the past. I do know how to, but sometimes it scares me because it is there. It is two big investments that are in my hands. Um, I have my partner, and he's the one that helps me with that. Thankfully. So tell me about how you recruited a team. Who was the team that you recruited when you were doing it out of your house? How do you okay. have a team now? Like, how have you put this together and, and made it become a business as you've discussed? Okay, so in the beginning, it, it was it was just me. So I was pretty much hands-on, taking orders, taking payments on the girl as well. And then once I realized that this was something that we were sticking to and it was going to be a continuous thing, um... Family. Family has been a very strong backbone for us. Uh, thankfully, we were blessed with a very supportive family. Um, thankfully, they were willing to help us out. So we started with um, three other family members. So it was a total of five of us. And um, they would help us on a, on a weekend basis up until we were ready um, and the food trailer was inspected. Uh, we had pulled all the permits and it was ready to go. Um, then that's where we struggled the most 
was to find reliable workers. So in the beginning, you know, I'm fairly new to this. Um, I have no type of prior knowledge to this. You know, I'm learning as I go, as I'm turning the page, whatever comes across, whatever is being thrown at my way, I'm, I'm having to learn how to deal with it on top of having to learn the whole legal side aspect of this. So it was very, it was a big challenge for us because you didn't really know what to expect and you didn't really know what you were looking for. All what you knew was that you needed help and that was about it. So we started with um, random people. Hey, um, I made a post. I needed workers. I was able to recruit some. Again, I have always kept it um, a team of five or six, except if it's if they're big festivals, then I do need more hands on. Um, down the road, I did learn at a very pricey cost that not just because they're eager to work doesn't mean that they're a right fit for your team and that having a strong, solid team is everything. Um, you need to bring someone to the table that has something that you don't have in order to better your qualities and better the business in a full because if it's not a one, it's not a one man job. So if there's four of us and one is missing, instead of running at 100%, now we're running at 75% because every single person in that trailer is just as important, whether if it is the person on the grill, if it's the person um, packing, if it's the person who's bagging, you know, everyone is held accountable for their area. And if one is missing, it's, it's much harder on everyone else because now we have to pick up the slack that's not being picked up from the person that's missing. So I, I did have to become very, very rigid and um, very disciplined in that area just because we are pumping out food, high volumes of food in a very short amount of time. Everything's to go. So an order after an order has to be pumped out every two minutes. And the presentation still needs to be there. Um, the quality still needs to be there, regardless if we're busy or not. It has to look the same. So, you know, we need more hands on deck, but we really do need efficient people that are willing to take on the task and they're willing to be able to follow orders, whether they like it or not, or whether they think it's silly. Um, they just need to, like if it's at a factory, you know, you go in there, they tell you to do something, you're just in an assembly line and you're just assembling stuff together and it's that's your job and I and that's what I tell my workers as well I'm like don't overthink this just look at it for what it is you have one job only I need you to focus on this but give it 100% and that's all what you need to do um so yeah team for us needs to be a very strong key point I feel like in anything that you do if you don't have a strong team that supports you it's it's very hard to do things you know you you might be able to know it on all as ceo or as the owner but sometimes you know you have a lot of things to do you can't be good at everything and expect everything to come out 100 percent because you are splitting yourself into multiple places and everything needs to be efficient and everything does need to be running to its best abilities in order for you to fulfill a great business What's some of the hardest lessons you've learned from having a food truck? Like what are some of the things that you're like, oh my gosh, I never thought about this. This is something that I've got to deal with now as an entrepreneur. Um, the health department. For us, um, when we first started, you know, um, we got a brand new trailer. So we're like, okay, like it's brand new. We don't need anything else. Everything's fine. Um, no, 
there is a lot that goes into the process of just starting up a food trailer, a lot of codes that you need to follow. You know, the I always say that uh, lack of information for people like us is what really holds us back. And also, um, you know, just not not having the right access to the right network of people in order to, if you come across this certain problem, hey, like, I need help on this. How am I able to get help? Or, you know, just being guided to the right people for the right things. So one of the hardest things was for us to start up legally. It wasn't that hard to start up from home, you know. You, anyone can just go on social media and sell something. But trying to do things the right way, filing all the paperwork, filing with the IRS, with your state tax ID, you know, now you have to do all of this. You have to be on top of your stuff. For us, that was a very, very big challenge. And everything was new knowledge that had to come to us. And again, we had to learn as we went and do the best that we could. But yes, I think that that was definitely our worst and a very big learning experience for us that you just need to do what is being said and it needs to be right. Where do you see this going or where do you hope this goes? Do you, I mean, it's a food truck now you grew it out of your house. So now where to like, where are you hoping this business takes you or, or I mean, you're young, so you have the whole world ahead of you a whole lifetime. Yes. So what if, as the years went by, so this year will be officially year three, starting from home, starting from the food trailer would be year two. Um, but from the very beginning, I I just knew there was potential in this. I felt it. I don't, it's something I really can't explain. It's just, you know, you see something, you feel it. No, this is it. I can't give up on this. And throughout our journey, we have had lots and lots and lots of um, obstacles that we have had to face. But again, it's just one of those things that no matter how hard it is, it's just like, nope, you know, we can do it. Like, I still see potential in this. So I still feel the same way. Um, my heart has been moving a lot towards catering. I love catering. The more I do it, the more I fall in love with it. Um, I love serving people on their special occasions. Um, it's it's a big commitment, but at the same time, um, I get to have a little bit more of free time for myself. We also have a seven-year-old, so I still have my personal life outside of this business. And, you know, I also want to watch her grow. But at the same time, catering is just one of those things that... So right now we're actually working on our own commercial kitchen. And... Um, the, the plans and the ideas are that once we have 24-7 access to a kitchen, um, I'm able to focus 100% on catering and the food truck's still running on the weekends. Um, so those are my plans for now. Um, later down the road, I would like to open up a franchise. If it's not a food trailer, probably look into uh, restaurants, but kind of like fast food type with the same concept. You go up, you or you order, you get a pager, your pager goes off, go back, grab your food. If there's a space where you can sit at, go ahead and sit. Once you're done, okay, here are your trash and your recycling bin, put your stuff away and everyone's happy. You're not waiting on a waitress or a um, host to sit you down. Whatever. I And the reason why being too is because I want 
thought I wanted to make this accessible to everyone. So we also still have to be conscious that um, we are part of the minority and a lot of minor, minor, minority here, um, a lot of people don't make as much money as your average person, as your average middle class does. So they still want to have that nice experience. You know, they go out, they spend their money, they want to go out to eat somewhere. But if you want the full experience nowadays with inflation, um, it's really hard to do so without spending more, less than $100 on, let's say, a six-head um, family. So I still want to be able to provide that to anyone and everyone. If you're from an upper-class family, if you're from a low-class family, I want this to be the place to where this is accessible to anyone. It's a quick grab-and-go. You're enjoying great food. You're enjoying a great presentation and, and overall experience. But I do, I, I, my biggest goal was just focusing on being able to make others happy through the service of food. And luckily we were able to do that with our food. So I do want, to, a lot of people have asked us for a restaurant, but again, right now we're still not at that time. Um, just because you also need to look, it's not just a restaurant, you know, it's the overhead cost of employees, overhead cost of a lot of other factors that people that are not involved may not see. But as an entrepreneur, you need to look at all of those aspects to get the most out of your business. But for now, definitely stick with the food truck for a couple of years, possibly expand into a couple more for private events and um, festivals and expand into catering. Do you do you see, you know, this grow the catering and, and the commercial kitchen you mentioned that do you see this growing? And a, a bigger business. I mean, the, obviously, people are requesting it. So, do you feel that if you open a, a commercial kitchen, that if you build it, they will come? For lack of a better term. Oh, for sure. I think right now, what's limiting us is not having our own commercial commercial kitchen. So, once we have our own commercial kitchen, the sky is the limit. Um, we can take on a lot more catering orders. We can also open out open up more days throughout the week for our food trailer as well. Um, we can be involved in a lot more of um, festivals as well. How like I said, once having that commercial kitchen, um, really the sky is the limit and it's up to us if we want to take advantage of the opportunities that are being given in front of us. Very cool. So, um, who have been your role models in life, leaders, or who people you look up to, and why? Uh, my biggest role model, I would probably say, would have to be my mom. And reason being, um, my mom is just because ever since from a young age, I've always seen my mom as a strong, independent woman. And again, in our culture, it's not very, it's very rare to see a woman stand up for herself. It's very rare to see a woman take on big challenges and big tasks like, like this, like running a business. So just seeing my mom be able to do all of that, seeing my mom being a hands-on woman, being a mom, working, she, she's into the entrepreneur 
outside, she has her small little retail store, but before she would do it mobile from her car. Um, so just me growing up in that environment, me every single weekend going with her and selling, um, she would send me off to collect a payment at the age of 11, had no base business doing that. But just having that practice within me really made me get that drive. And, you know, she was the same person that was like, you know what, you want to do this? Go for it. You're, I'm all in. There was never a no from her. There was never really a, but uh, I think you should reconsider it. It was just, hey, if you want to do it, it's because there's something in there. Go ahead and do it. So just having that person that pushes me, having that person that I, I saw from Pride the firsthand experience that she was just very independent. For her, anything was possible. Anything She would make ends in whatever way. Um, really pushed me that if she could do it, my 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 task in this world was to perfect that version of her and become better than her, just so my child could perfect my, the version of me. Um, so I re I really I I'm I'm into reading books, um, and I I saw um, I think it was Outliers. It's a really good book, but it's it talks about how we're so used to putting people on pedestals, whether it's like a very famous artist, whether it's um, your favorite idol. And, you know, we're at the end of the day, we're all regular, regular people. Um, some are more driven than others. And some that's what differentiate uh, differentiates between us and whoever you want to be. But we're all regular people and anything's possible for anyone. It really is your own mindset that holds you back. So if you're willing to take on the task, task, not give up and really push through, you're you're more than capable of becoming whoever you look up to. So I don't think it's right to put someone on a pedal stool. If at the end of the day we're all regular people, we all come, we all breathe and have everything um, from inside. It's all the same. Doesn't matter where you're from, what family you were born into, where you were raised. Essentially, we're all the same. Um, so yeah, you should be your you should be your biggest inspiration and you should be your role model. Um, because not everyone's perfect and even the role model that you look up to is bound to mess up and they're still learning. You never stop learning. So why can't you do that with yourself and be your own role model? If anything that should push you to do better, to work better and to strive for better. Because after every failure, you'll learn, okay. It's not so bad. It's just this bad thing happened, but this bad thing, either I learn from it or I keep on continuing the same mistake, which will cause me deeply more later on. So just keep on learning from yourself and motivate yourself and look up to yourself. Awesome. Tell me about the name. How'd you come up with it? How'd you guys come up with the logo? How'd you even wrap the trailer? Like, how'd you pull this all together? The name. The name was very simple. We rounded some friends. Um, we were taste testing the full menu items. And we were like, okay, we need something catchy, but something very simple. Um, I didn't want to put any personal names on the business. So someone was, um, our friends have a very uh, same for anything. It's bust them out then. So tacos. And we were just like, okay, bust out the tacos, but in Spanish, saca los tacos. And that's what we learned it. 
I love it. So how'd you do the logo? How'd logo. The logo. Um, how did we do the logo? Um, pretty much we just kind of wanted, we still wanted to keep the authenticity of um, Mexico itself since it is a Mexican cuisine. Um, so we just grabbed a big sombrero hat and we decided that we needed a face or a type of logo that would represent us. So if you look at our logo, it's a, it's a big sombrero hat with some sunglasses and a big mustache. And we call him Mr. Poncho. So that's Mr. Poncho. And on the bottom, it has the little phrase, bust the belt then. Since that's something that we uh, we say a lot. And yeah, that's how we came up with it. And with the trailer, we wanted to keep it simple. So we didn't do too much. We just posted a very huge um, nine by nine logo of Mr. Poncho with Saca Los Tacos. And we did it on both sides and did a little bit of promo of social media all around and called it a day. So, I mean, you want to, you let's go back to the role model and your, your kid, like, and then this will be my last question. I believe yeah. I may have more, who knows, but okay. it, I think so. Um, you talked about being a role model and sort of your legacy and the legacy that was given to you um, mm -hmm. from generation to generation, pushing that dream or the American dream down. Like, how much do you live by pushing yourself to the fullest? So she, I believe you said it was your daughter, um, yes. is has that much more advantage in life. Talk to me about the motivation there. How much does it play a factor in your life? I, I just, I want to understand it because you mentioned it. Um, I relate to it, but I just want to understand it from your point of view. Um, elaborate a little bit more on that. Like how does that motivate me with having her or? I mean, do you see her getting involved in the business? Do you, are you okay. building a business? Are you hoping that she'll be an entrepreneur also and motivate from you? Like there's things that you said because you want to be a perfected image of the prior one or a, at least a image that's progressed more than the last version. Yes. So she is seven years old right now, and she actually talks about putting her own lemonade stand. And right now she has the idea that in the summer she's starting her own lemonade stand. So little did I know, um, she was four at the time when we started. Um, but now that I see that she's at this stage where you can really tell that whatever she sees, whatever she hears, she's just absorbing it like a sponge. Um, so throughout the years, little did I know that this little girl was really looking at every single little thing we were doing. And, you know, you still get that parent guilt while you're working. You know, you have this baby to take care of, which is Saca Los Tacos, but you also have this physical toddler to take care of as well. Um, but luckily, she has been very, very understanding and very calm through the whole process. But Little did we know she was already picking up on stuff, um, just simple conversations we might have of, you know, hearing, overhearing us of inventory and she would go on and ask, hey, like, why do you need this? Or like, why do you buy limes and big boxes? And I'm like, oh, okay, um, we buy a big box because they give us wholesale price and they're like, well, what is that? So her just digging really opened up her mind up to why like 
what is a need and what is a want and how do how is a business brand so i i definitely see her going towards that direction i'm not sure she says she'll be in the food industry um she's seven at the time you know you can change your mind when you're older but just really having having that background she can she can excel in whatever it is that she wants if she wants to put a business in retail she wants to build a digital business if she whatever it is that she wants if you have these grounding um prime important factors to start off with i think it'll just set you up and one thing that set us up that our family till this day is still learning is being financial literate you know um some people don't know how to work their money some people don't know how money works and we're just used to, okay, you know, I worked 40, for X amount of hours. I get paid this certain amount of much. I'm stuck with this amount for the rest of my life for every week. No, um, when you're an entrepreneur, you decide how much money you want to make. You decide how much money you don't want to make. Um, there's enough money out there for everyone. You just need to find creative ways and solve a solution in society in order for you to get rewarded back with money. And just having that knowledge will help me pass this knowledge down to her. So uh, if you grow up in an environment where everyone around you is talking about businesses, entrepreneurship, whether you like it or not, you will pick up a thing or two. It's up to you what you want to do with the information you picked up. But at least I know that everything that I could do in my power to implement all these thoughts and all these basic, all this basic knowledge will be put on her when she grows up and decides what she wants to do with her life that is definitely up to her but i know i did the best that i could to fulfill her brain as much knowledge that we might not be taught in a regular high school I agree with you, and I grew up in an entrepreneurial family and a farm and then around my dad in business and for, for many years. And so I think I agree with you. It does compound into youth uh, as it did with me, and I believe it will with her, obviously. So I think that it's pretty cool. I think it's cool what you're doing. And um, with that being said, is where can they find you online? If you guys want to go ahead and look us up online, um, you can go ahead and do that through Instagram or Facebook. On Instagram, we are Tacos underscore LLC. And if you guys are connected with Facebook, just go ahead and look up Tacos, and you will go ahead and find us. And... Um... That's awesome. I love what you guys are doing. Is there anything else you would like to share, Diana, before we get off? Anything you'd want to share with any other entrepreneurs out there? I know you said a lot there um, as we were ending, and our signal keeps going in and out a little bit. I apologize for that. It's storming here in Nashville. No worries. And uh, um, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, and no, no, I'm finished. Okay. Um, I think the biggest thing is never forget where you come from. You know, anything is possible. You can start off from the corners of your own bedroom. Depends on whatever it is that you want to do. You know, I know it's scary and I know um, it's very intimidating if you want to. This might sound wrong, but at the end of the day, we need to be realistic. You know, not everyone is born into a family with a trust fund 
Not everyone is born into an inheritance of thousands of dollars behind us. Sometimes we really need to work with what we have and save up to, to our ultimate goal. So in whatever position you might find yourself in, just go ahead and see what best possibility you can do with what's around you and what you have as a resource. And honestly, the sky is the limit. If you put your mind to it, if you put your heart and your soul, if you sit, sit down and um, come up with the concrete plan of how you will get to the next point and the next point, you can do anything. So don't get discouraged. Um, start now. I think that's the biggest thing. Sometimes we overthink things and, oh, but I don't have this or but I'm missing this. No, just start and things will play out in your favor if it's meant for you and if you're willing to go through it. It's not easy. I don't think anything is easy. If everything was easy, everyone would have it. And that's why not everyone has it. Um, and there's a gap between all of us. So just and always remain humble, no matter how how big you grow, how how um, famous you get, um, how much money comes to you. Just always remember where you came from because our ultimate goal in this world is to pass it down to others. And you don't want to pass down anger. You don't want to pass down negative traits or thoughts that might just crush someone else's dreams. Um, it doesn't cost a thing to be kind. And who knows, you might be an inspiration to someone else. So just always be mindful of what you do and what you say, because there might just be someone looking up to you that you mean the world to them. And you wouldn't want to play some role into as to why they didn't um, continue with something else. So yeah, that's the biggest thing. I think um, being an entrepreneur is great. And there's definitely a lot of great benefits behind it but I think it's the bigger purpose of what impact are you leaving behind and you can do that with the legacy you're leaving you'd leave behind which essentially is your business um, so just always be mindful who you are as a person in the real world and that will definitely reflect a lot in your business Very cool, Diana. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing no, your story. You yeah, I think we'll. Ha I'll definitely reach out in the future and have you back on, and we'll do a part two for sure. Sounds good. Thank you. And everyone in the audience, thank you guys for listening in. If you want to find us, we're on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs, and we're also on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through pod uh, through podcasts. And we're out. Thank you so much.